0: The picture in the needlepoint, a massive but graceful colonial close to the road, which is how they were placed in those days before paved driveways and jeeps with snow plows. The house sits on two and a half acres of lawn, healthy, sturdy grass, nourished by the snows of winter and the ample rainfall of spring and autumn. Before the disappearance, Joshua liked to stroll barefoot on the large expanse of lawn to the west of the house, where the late afternoon sun bathed it in a golden green. He is a man who is always on his way to or from some place, always finishing up one task and thinking of the next. But at this hour, his heartbeat slows as he makes a circuit of the property, moving from light to shadow and back to light, the rays of the sun dissolving whatever is bitter or discontented within him. What you first notice about Joshua is his springy hair. It is the color of dark sand with specks of carrot and seems to be constantly in motion. Then the orange freckles that populate his face, the thin lips and the brown eyes that are always bubbling, often with mirth, sometimes with anger. His hands are large and competent, which becomes evident as he slings a basketball from right to left before putting it on the floor, darting to his side, and rising like a high-board diver, straight up, heels together, pupils narrowed to focus on the basket. He can shoot from either side, but the left hand is stronger and a tad steadier. In a pickup game, he is pure energy. Once you know this, you can understand why Joshua in the office or in someone's living room gives this impression of someone about to leap out of his work clothes and cut to the hoop in nothing but his underpants. The house is in the town of Smithfield, not in Smithfield proper, but in the Hollow, a tiny hamlet of sixty souls about two and a half miles northwest of the town to which it belongs. Smithfield itself has five hundred residents, spread out over fifty square miles. Bordered by other hill towns—Northway, Woodfield, Cooperville—it is an insignificant geopolitical entity at the far edge of Adams County in western Massachusetts. Yet despite this small size and the fact that Smithfield has only a general store, a hardware store, a garage, a town hall, and a church, the residents talk of the town as if it is a giant force in their lives. They complain that the town has stopped using salt in winter—state regulations, a bunch of Boston politicians who couldn't find their asses in a snowstorm, and the roads are often rutted ice from January to the middle of March. They grouse that the town has yet to replace five of six white cement posts, knocked over when Billy Parson smacked into them with his dad's truck. The posts serve as a guardrail where Route 33A veers sharply left to reveal the vista of an eroded hillside plunging into the Northway River. Besides the icy roads and the knocked-over posts, there is also the matter of the public street lamps, two on the main street in Smithfield, one on Old Route 57 in the Hollow. They're no longer being lit at town expense. The budget won't allow it. "'Things aren't the way they used to be,' the old-timers complain. "'Every year the taxis go up, but we get less for our money.' Joshua and Natalie have had their own run-in with the town. Nine years ago, Joshua had demanded that the town selectmen put up a sign at either end of Route 57 at the turn-off into the hollow, warning motorists to go slow that young kids were playing in the hollow.' "'Oh, there's no need for that,' said Carl Puckett, president of the Selectmen. "'There's never been a sign like that.' "'Well, there sure is a need for one now,' said Joshua. "'There are four kids, all under the age of five. "'And if one of them wanders off a lawn and onto the road and gets smacked by a car roaring by at fifty miles per hour, it's going to be on your head.' Pause." Puckett was, and still is, a very wide, upright man whose neck seems to merge into the humpback mass of his torso. Joshua was holding the phone in a perspiration-laden fist. He'd been out whacking weeds and trimming the rough grass at the edge of the raspberry patch. "'On my head?' "'On the parents' head,' said Puckett. "'We're not responsible for watching your kids.' Do you want to have an argument after a child gets hit by a car about whose fault it is? Or do you want to spring for a few dollars now to see that the accident doesn't happen?